Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, on today's pod I brought on Matthew Stocko. We discussed the Kawhi Leonard rumors and everything that's circling around the Raptors right now. Lorenzo Brown re-signing to a one-year deal that's partially guaranteed for next season. And then we continued on our position-by-position breakdown, this time discussing the shooting guards. good how about you oh you know excited summer league's over and kind of really break down the all season yeah i think uh i think uh from when we last talked to now there's been quite a lot of exciting uh stuff in raptor land especially kind of unexpectedly (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um i don't know i don't know if we want to talk about the big thing off the off the hop but i mean the Kawhi leonard situation and the the little rumors popping up here and there and uh, things getting substantial news in the United States uh, from some pretty big reporters, is it, it's kind of heating up a little bit. Oh, when you said the big news, I assumed you meant the Lorenzo Brown one-year deal. <laughs> I mean, I mean that could be the big news. That just dropped as well. Um, let's, let's start with Kawhi. So um, things have really heated up here since we last talked. The Toronto Raptors, according to a couple odds books, are the betting favorites. Uh, Brian Windhorst has said that he thinks that they're real players. Zach Lowe has also echoed those same sentiments. If I told you, Matt, what are the chances of the Raptors having Kawhi next season? What would you put them at? Oh, gosh. Currently, um, I mean, there's there's a few people who have said that, you know, the quotes are they're in the driver's seat, that that they are controlling their own destiny or controlling their own fate right now. Uh, in terms of Kawhi Leonard, I would say they have the best chance. Um, in terms of 
In terms of a percentage, though, I'm still going to put it at 50-50 because I'm not 100% sold on the asking price for Kawhi Leonard. I think the uh, if I mean again, this is a, all going off of rumors, but it sounds like they're asking for DeRozan, OG, and a pick. That's the that's been the consistent uh, asking price that I've heard, and that seems quite high for a rental player who has. Uh, indicated that he wants to be in Los Angeles next season anyway. And from a Spurs perspective, it's, I think they're playing it smart by not letting other teams talk to him because that's going to drive down the asking or drive down the asking price, especially if his commitment to LA is really strong. Uh, the Raptors play here is very interesting. I mean, there are people who are saying, well, it's, it's to accelerate the rebuild. It gets rid of DeRozan. Uh, there are other people saying, hey, it could be a Paul George situation and we're lucky enough to sign him. But if I'm in the if I'm in the camp of, hey, we're hoping for a Paul George situation and we are, we are able to re-sign him at the end of the next season, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't that be sweeter if he was playing alongside DeRozan instead of with an aging Lowry and aging Ibaka and a lot of young pieces? Um, for me, personally... Uh, I'm more interested in this Kawhi Leonard trade if somehow they can keep DeRozan. Um, I don't know if that's possible unless Masai Ujiri can pull some sort of magic out of his hat. But I mean, the prospect of the of the Raptors getting such a such a amazing player uh, is really uncharted territory for this team. And I mean, again, this team has continued to go into uncharted territory over the last five years. So for me, uh, it's super exciting i'm checking twitter every five minutes when i can uh to see to see if it's come up but i mean i think it's only under the right circumstances and 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 i think that's just for me because because of derozan's loyalty i think derozan's loyalty to the team has helped it find some semblance of relevance around the league so uh to part with him for a one-year rental it, it, it is honestly a little tough for me so i guess a lot to unpack there i think first I think 50-50 is probably even high on the chances of getting Kawhi Leonard. I think that the Raptors might be the favorites to land him, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily even a 50% chance because there's so many teams that I think are kind of, you know, have a chance of getting if even if they're not that great. I think that it also is possible, entirely possible, that the San Antonio Spurs decide you know what, if we can't get what we want for him, then we're just going to bring him back next season. An interesting point you brought up that I don't know if I've really heard so far is that you think the sticking point is DeMar DeRozan? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's really, I I, I mean, I, I don't know how substantiated that is or how proven that is, but I mean, I would have to think that, um, you know, Masayu Jury even even with Wayne Casey, right, has proven that, you know, loyalty and consistency is something pretty important to him. And obviously, you know, I say that knowing that he just... I mean, Casey, but uh, DeRozan, DeRozan's tougher, you know, for me. And maybe... And, uh, and, and it seems to be when I've been, you know, looking and reading a lot of people around the, you know, on the internet and a lot of the fan opinions, it seems seems that people are really divided on the De, on the DeRozan uh, issue. And I think that's because he has been loyal to the city and 
that 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 means a lot to people and and to be honest with you i think that i i, I think that looks really good for the team and 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 all that now obviously i understand you know it's a business decision and and all of that but you know you know is is DeRozan worth a one-year Kawhi rental because that's all we have to go on right now it's it's tough to say right like DeRozan's a fantastic piece and DeRozan and Kawhi together would be uh, like fantastic in terms of in terms of making that finals finals run so I'm I'm just saying if I was the Raptors I would certainly want to make a deal that doesn't involve DeMarcus I think part of the reason that you see them kind of intertwined as one I don't know how much interest the Spurs are going to have in an aging lower and certainly not in, in a Baca for if it's a Baca I have to believe that it's nothing more than salary filler and Toronto is going to have to get up considerable more assets. I think a lot of it also has to do with Kawhi Leonard and DeRozan kind of doing a lot of similar things on offense. You know, neither one is really a creator for others. Um, with DeRozan obviously being more of a creator, averaging five assists last year to Kawhi, who's never really been an assist man. So I think because they're pretty similar on offense in the way that they play, it that's part of the reason, and I also think I'm not sure the Spurs are going to want a deal based around Kyle Lowry or based around, and certainly not based around Serge Ibaka and same for Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, and, and and I totally see what you mean there. Is that is that you know there is a salary match issue, and and what other pieces do the Raptors have? Um, I guess I it's it's tough because what what would you give up? For Kawhi Leonard, like, 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 what is? If you're the GM, what are you giving? And the Spurs say, "Hey, we want to make a deal with you." What, what are you giving up to do that? If you want to give up anything at all? Yeah, obviously, I think it. You're offering less initially, but when I am really pressed against it, I think the most that I would give up is probably Demar and OG and a young player like. Purtle or right one or the other and a pick. So I, I guess I'm more in on trading for Kawhi than you. Yeah, I th- I think so. And and man, it hurts me to say that because because I would be so excited about it too. Um, it's it's just it, 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 it I mean I mean it's tough, right? Like it's a it's a really tough uh, decision, really. Well, <laughs> and another thing I would be pushing to do is I would be pushing to try to trade and maybe have to get a third team involved here is I would at least if I am going to give up that much, which I would want to do or which I would be willing to do is I would want to get a third team in there to take on Norman Powell. Um, Not that I, I think Norman Powell can eventually live up to his contract, but I think if you do get rid of Norman Powell along with DeMar DeRozan, then the thing you look at is worst case scenario, the books are clear after two years and we can run it back within a completely clean sheet. And I think that would be kind of the ideal situation or not. The, I mean, the worst case scenario, I'm sorry. Obviously yeah. the ideal situation is Kawhi re-signs with the Raptors. Yeah. Which would, which I mean, I mean, I mean, either way, if Kawhi Leonard signs with the Raptors, like realsports.com, Insta buy Jersey, it's, it's done. The MLSE, you have my money there, but yeah, it's a, um, y- you know, it's a really tough situation. It's a very exciting situation. Um, what do you think is, 
Kawhi's deal with his health? Like, do you think a lot of the are you in the camp more of oh he was just kind of overplaying his injury because he didn't want to play for the Spurs anymore? He was upset, or do you think there's more to his injury that is actually holding him back? I think that he didn't want to rush it back, and I think that it was seriously injured last season. I'm not sure on his availability last season. But the thing that I'm not totally worried about is I don't I don't know if I've ever seen somebody really lose a career due to a quad injury. So I'm not he's been banged up throughout his career. So I think that's worrisome and something to worry about. But I'm not long term picture really worried with his quad. And what about his uh, like mindset or attitude? Because um, I know that I know that's been a sticking point for. Um, people and, and and i mean it's it it also sounds like it's kind of deterred again this is all compounded on rumors but it also sounds like it's kind of compounded other teams interests in the uh, mm-hmm. in, in in him as a whole you know yeah oh i i think that's definitely a concern i'm i'm worried about it but i think it's worth the risk when you're talking about a guy who was you know a top 3 player on both sides of the ball i think yeah. you you have to take a shot at it. Um, I, it's obviously a concern. The stories you hear about his uncle, who knows how much of that's true and how much of that is other agents kind of attacking the guy who's going against the conventional agent system. I think it's a worry, but I think that he's a good enough player that I'm worried, I'm willing to risk it, I guess is my stance on it. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I mean, I mean, you make me excited. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> If it's, there's I mean, any I way, it's fun, right? Yeah, no, it, it would be the best player the Raptors have ever had. And with apologies to Vince Carter, he wasn't Kawhi Leonard, and he he would be the best player the Raptors have had. And when you talk about running out a lineup that has Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, Jonas Valanciunas, Serge Ibaka, and then insert filler, probably C, maybe CJ Miles. I'm not sure who the second person, but you're talking about a team that's legitimately you won 58 games last year there's no reason to think that that team can't win upwards of 60 games yeah yeah it it, it, it's it's true and i mean it would solve a lot of the i mean even though lebron's not there there's still solve a lot of the defensive issues on the other side of the ball um especially if Kawhi is engaged and 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 ready to go i mean there's just so much excitement uh around that um still hesitant about the the whole the rosen thing but I mean, if there was somehow some way that the, that the magic comes out, the starting line and the starting uh, lineup had Lowry, DeRozan, and Kawhi, or Lowry, Kawhi, and DeRozan in there, uh, that would be just just that that would be uh, that would be top contender in the East for sure. Yeah, and I think as much as I'd love to hold on to DeRozan, I think you also want to hold on to OG too. He's yeah. the only player with an option past 2020. And obviously on a team-friendly deal and looks like someone who will be a complete value at that time. However, you, I guess players don't evolve the way you do because we thought Norman Powell would be a value at this time. And look where his contract stands. Yeah, and I think we can. And I mean, I mean, I think we can get into that in a second too. But I mean, do you think that there's any hope? I mean, oh, I'll ask that question later, but, uh, you know, any hope for Norman Powell with the Nick Nurse system and hopefully finding his touch again, but... Um, Lastly, I guess I just want to kind of, before we wrap up the Kawhi talk and move on to shooting guards and everything, I just want to ask you if 
say the swap is DeRozan for DeMar and let's put OG in it and Pirtle. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Raptors are the best team in the East, or do you think that they're still behind Boston or perhaps even behind Philadelphia still? Uh, it's, you know, I would say I would say they're about with, with Kawhi um, and, and the starting lineup we were talking about before. I for sure think that they're better than the Sixers are currently, but I would definitely say that the uh, that uh, Boston might be slightly better. I mean, Boston really impressed me last year without their two best players in the playoffs. They, you know, they played really well, and Brad Stevens has proven to be a coach that has the ear of his team. And I mean, and I mean, while while Gordon Hayward does have some defensive issues, and so does Kyrie Irving. Uh, that can be really supported by a bench mob of the Boston Celtics on their own. So Boston really, really does scare me. And I, and I mean, Boston is really set up to even get more if they want to because of all the assets that they've occurred over the years. So, um, I mean, Boston, Boston really is for me right now is really the team to beat in the East. And, uh, we'll see what, we'll see what the Raptors do. But I would say with Kawhi, but subtracting DeRozan and OG, from and Pirtle from that uh, uh, lineup, I would say it would go Boston, Toronto, and the 76ers. I totally agree. Yeah, I think that Kawhi's a great player, but I'm not sure that he brings you over Boston, who I think is the second best team in the NBA right now. So, Wow. Yeah, the, and, 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 and I mean, it's hard to argue with that. Uh, Boston, Bo- Boston is a team that can really beat you in any way right like like they're so good defensively they they uh you, you know while they struggle to score a little bit at times in the playoffs that goes away instantly with gordon hayward and Ky- kyrie irving at full health yeah i think people forget how good gordon hayward was we're talking a top 20 player when he played last and was really a great shooter versatile score and was a better defender than people think i think when they run out that lineup of Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, which was a lot of people forget their starting lineup last season. I mean, that's a big, versatile lineup that can switch a lot of things. And then when you had Al Horford as a defensive center there who does everything, I just I think their starting five's good. I think once you add in kind of scary Terry, Marcus Smart, Morris, all those guys coming in the bench, I think they provide the best kind of mix between star power as well as depth and versatility that's so funny i completely forgot about marcus smart there for a second and it's just like oh yeah he's probably until the kings until the kings offer him 20 million a year so (laughs) yes totally um but yeah but yeah no Kawhi. um i think that's going to be the talk of of the the raptors and uh and uh, everything going on in Toronto until it's either the Raptors are out of the race or hey you're introducing Kawhi as a uh, as a uh, Raptor at the Scotiabank Arena. Yeah, I'm sure it will drag out as long as possible and continue to leave your woes alerts on. So <laughs> yeah, and do you think do you think that helps the Raptors at all? Like the longer this gets drawn out, like does like I I. Like why stock price drops very much just just based on time or holding out. Yeah, I think it probably helps him if I had to pick which way. I think the longer, if it goes into the season, I think it starts to hurt the Raptors as far as you just 
Now you're talking about integrating a guy halfway through the year and how valuable is he going to be on a rental. You probably get him for cheaper, but how much is he worth to you? And, you know, less time to sell him on your culture and try to get him to re-sign. I think if opening if opening tip starts and he's not in the Toronto Raptors uniform, I think it's time to pretty much give up on it. But I think the closer it gets to the season where you don't see something revolve, the more it kind of tilts in the Raptors' favor, I guess. Yep, fair enough. I I completely agree with that as well. Um, you know, the sweet spot is probably August September, uh, somewhere in there to to, to make, make a deal if if they if they decide that they're going to. Yeah, I agree. So let's move on. Um, news yep. that just broke, as you informed me right before this podcast, Lorenzo Brown signed with the Toronto Raptors to a one-year deal. Lorenzo Brown obviously had a very successful year in the G League last year, was on a two-way contract, was G League MVP. Matt, what are your overall takeaways from Lorenzo Brown being signed to the team? Well, isn't well, and and to even clarify it further, it's only partially guaranteed. Um, is the is is the other breaking news going on right now? Um, he, you know, you know, for me, I think Lorenzo Brown was a very nice uh, addition to the team. I think. I think in short spurt, short situations, he can actually be really useful, um, especially if there's foul trouble. Um, it really feels like this is more of a roster fill move than a uh, than than a move that's going to push the team over the over the top. Uh, you know, the Raptors have a lot of small guards on their team, which um, which you know, as the league continues to uh, or at least teams are trying to emphasize length in their guards. Uh, uh, you know, it makes Salon Wright obviously someone much more attractive than Lorenzo Brown, but uh, he proved. I mean, he proved himself, right? I mean, they have two G League MVPs on their team, uh, which is which is fantastic. So, uh, I mean, moving forward, I think it's great that uh, you know continuity and being rewarded and the culture again uh, coming through in a good way for Lorenzo Brown and somebody who uh, you, you know I think deserves to be on the team and deserves a, a shot at a full season in the NBA but I mean I'm glad it's one year deal it's only partially guaranteed it's going to be for small a small amount of money when that when that comes out so I mean overall uh, overall for a more end of the bench type of guy I, I don't think there's anybody better that you could really get yeah I agree I think it's interesting the Raptors are going to go into the season with four point guards on the roster, specifically three that really need to play and are going to be in your rotation heavily with Delon Wright, Fred VanVleet, and Kyle Lowry. Lorenzo Brown just adds more depth to that, and I think at 6'5", he's at least large enough that he can play moments at the two. Obviously, he's always going to be, or I guess I shouldn't say always, it's, it's very likely Lorenzo Brown will always be a bench player, so... At 6'5", you don't really worry about him getting mandled by the elite two guards that you would if he was a starter. I think that Nurse is going to try to run a lot of two-point guard sets, and you know Lorenzo Brown brings a little familiarity on a team that is probably going to be pretty familiar next season and going to be pretty similar. He obviously has shown a lot at the G League level, but we haven't really seen that convert yet. And it will be interesting to see if he's either a G League talent or if he's an NBA talent. He might be kind of, you know, steal from baseball guys that kind of, they call him a quad A player, where he's too good for AAA, but not quite good enough for the major leagues. We'll see if Lorenzo Brown is kind of the NBA version of that, where he's too good for the G League, but not quite an NBA player, or if he's able to, you know, fill out a spot in the rotation. 
Yeah, and I mean, going back to the two guard sets that you were they were just referring to, I mean, if one of those two guards, you know, has a small injury or foul trouble, I can see Lorenzo, you know, sliding in and not providing much of a drop. Um, it's just it's, it's just again, you know, like Van Vliet, uh, uh, Lowry, and uh, and Delon are so much more experienced and so much more uh, and like like you know MPA proven. Um, but uh, I think. I, for me, for me, my long-term projections for Lorenzo are, you know, I I I feel like he'll have a career in the NBA and uh, and be a role player, bench player. But uh, he's also 27 years old and, and and is and is getting that first break too. So he is a little bit older for 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 that as well. But I I mean I mean overall overall I, I still think a good signing for the Raptors. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he's a good player for the Raptors. I think you know he probably won't play realistically in the rotation less of injury but he's a good guy that you can you can rely on in case you know we got pretty in pretty pretty lucky with injuries last year and i think that in case you have a situation where kyle lowry fred van bleed or delon wright is able to miss some time lorenzo brown's able to kind of step in there in that situation and handle that without too much of a concern um it being partially guaranteed shows that Probably no other teams realistically were offering him a fully guaranteed deal. So take it with a grain of salt. But like you said, I think it's a good, a solid signing to kind of fill out the back end of the rosters. You're not going to see the Raptors sign probably another rotation player with those spots because you already have, like we've talked about plenty on this podcast, you, you have 11 people that you need to get in right now. So it doesn't really make sense to fill the back end of the roster with more people that are expecting minutes yeah I, I i completely agree which is why i'm still on the vince carter farewell tour train <laughs> uh there's a guy there's a guy who doesn't need to play but could have a uh, but could have his farewell tour and his goodbye tour and uh, i'm still expecting that to happen uh, so i'm still waiting for that watch bomb as well uh, <laughs> to happen but uh but uh, yeah no i think I, I think overall like lorenzo Welcome back to the team, and, uh, and and you know hope to see you hope to see you in some moments, and hopefully more than you know Bruno Caboclo time. Well put. Let's go ahead and get started with the kind of bulk of our podcast. Although we've talked a great deal here about Kawhi, um, it's the breaking down of the shooting guards on the Toronto Raptors roster. We're kind of going through, and today we're just going to go with Mel Kai Richardson, Norman Paul, and Demar Derozan. Let's go ahead and start with the real talent on the team, Malachi Richardson. Matthew, what are your kind of general thoughts of Malachi? You know, it's it's tough because we didn't see as much as Malachi as I would have potentially liked to. Um, I think I think I think he has tremendous upside, uh, and if he was on somebody like a team like like you read before the Sacramento Kings. I feel like he would uh, actually, you know, have more time, but um, he also came from the Sacramento Kings, so uh, who knows? But I think, uh, you know, he's a lengthy guard that uh, that can that that has proven that he can shoot the ball and uh, and play defense. So, I mean, is he a sort of starting talent? Is he the future of of, of the Raptors in many in ways that many feel that OG is? Uh, I don't think so, but he is a guy who can. Uh, you know, push the ball as a smart basketball player and uh, can play defense. So for me, uh, I think he, I think in short spurts and, and smaller situations, he will be played. But 
just given the makeup of the guards right now, uh, and this is, of course, the team currently, uh, I mean, I would still expect him to be the last call-up over someone like uh, Powell, right? Like, uh, like for me, you know, he, he, he in, in short spurts, he can also work, but I kind of envision his role on this team, like Bebe's role last year, where certain matchups, certain points, he can actually come in and be and be really good and be really, um, really impactful, but uh, he's not going to be relied on for heavy minutes or for heavy points. It's funny. I actually was a huge Malachi Richardson fan coming out of college. I thought, you know, he's tall, athletic, really shot the ball well from three during college, and I thought that his game translated perfectly to the NBA. So far, that certainly has not been the case, although you have to give him a little bit of leeway playing with the Sacramento Kings. Like you said, yeah, I don't think that he has earned or probably will earn a spot in the consistent rotation, but you're looking for him to just provide for, just provide a little bit of value and a little bit of energy boost if he does get the run. So he provides in a league that where you need more threes and wings and anything. I think he provides some length on defense, and I think he provides the ability, at least in theory, to become a solid shooter. And I think you're really developing him hoping that he can eventually do, turn into a player. And for Malachi Richardson, you're not worried with what he is right now as a player, but I think you're still hoping you can develop him into a solid player for your team at one time. And I think, too, um, as you know, I like to fly, I, I, I like players with the good attitude. Like I think he I think he has the right mindset. Uh, he has a very Norman Powell-like mindset, putting in the work and and doing all of that so i fully expect him to you know be confident in his role and uh take those spot opportunities and make the most of them and and uh you always gotta like players like that because that could that could take that could get you out of a 25 point deficit right um and if the game is just not going your way yeah i i think that's a good point and i think if you're him it's something that you can't be discouraged by lack of playing time during your minutes here because you're probably not going to get a lot of run and I think that's something you more or less need to accept. Um, looking at his rookie numbers, he you know, he shot a lot of threes as a rookie. He was not successful on those threes. <laughs> so it will be interesting. Can he get the three-point shot to fall? Like I mentioned earlier, he was kind of a proficient three-point shooter in college and it's been kind of disappointing to see that he shot 28% as a rookie and then shot just over 30% last year. Granted, he's only shot 68 career three-pointers. So you take it all with a grain of salt, but it's been disappointing that he hasn't been able to have that shot translate to the next level. And someone kind of as skinny he is, as he is, he's kind of been thrown around a little bit defensively, although you're hoping that that will continue to improve as he gets older and into the league more. Yeah, I, I I agree, and you know he's young, and uh, and so there's lots of time, and uh, again, team friendly deal, and he's in a he's he's in a culture for improvement, so uh, the there's tremendous upside, but again, like, you know, we hope to be talking about him in two to three years as somebody like wow, like 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 the Raptors have done a fantastic job and building him up into something into something great and uh he has the length and and, and the height to be able to do it so hopefully he can uh, he can uh, reach reach that potential yeah and just a couple more glances at his rookie numbers i just 
so everyone's aware. He's two assists per 36 minutes. That's obviously not very good when you add in the average 1.5 turnovers. It really shows that how ineffective he was as a playmaker. He averaged 4.2 fouls per 36 minutes, which is something that you would expect more of a big guy. But again, as a rookie, you're kind of more leaning on those fouls. He did improve in that during his limited minutes with the Kings last season. He you know, got that down to three fouls a game and got the, the assist numbers, unfortunately, went down as well. So overall, you're looking, he pretty much has shown little to no versatility in his game as far as passing and things like that. He has shown, you know, ability to rebound okay for someone out of the shooting guard position, but someone that really needs to improve in almost every area. And if he could at least just get the jumper down, he would provide something to the Raptors. So hopefully we'll see that progress this season. Yeah, um, I I completely agree. Um, you know, it's a, it's funny because the shooting guard position is 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 so dominated by one by one player on the Raptors that even looking at someone like Norman Powell, uh, who is the next person that we're going to talk about. I mean, I mean, looking at his stats from last year, I was surprised that he even played in seventy games. Uh, it didn't feel like that. You know, it. Uh, uh, Norman Powell was obviously a big topic of conversation last year. He was somebody who, uh, man, I was so high on. I was, I, I, I was ready to buy a jersey. I was ready to, to, uh, to see it. And and, and I mean, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure what your opinion is on what happened. But do you think that it's more mental, or do you think that he actually is just is just ball dominant and uh, and teams scouted him and were ready for him and that he doesn't have enough versatility in his game? I think it's probably a combination of both. I think what happens is these teams start to scout on him, start to sit on things that he doesn't have. Obviously, the progression in shooting is one of the biggest concerns. I think once that happens and once you know that your playing time is very dependent on how you play, that you start to press things more, and I think that it kind of snowballs in, the, snowballs in a way that's not good for any player, and you start to press, and you start to think, well, if I'm out here for four minutes, I need to impress in four minutes, and that can be good for some players who kind of need it, who kind of need that fire, but I think it also can be very harmful for others that it starts to make them play sporadic and kind of impacts their game in a negative way. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, field goal percent or uh, field goal percentage from three was twenty eight and a half percent last season, and um, it's funny. It's funny how uh, it he he holds the ball so deep in his pocket, and the the shots are either long or really short. And uh, for me, for for me, that's almost a shooting stroke problem. Uh, he he he, you know, launches the ball very. Uh, in, in not a very consistent way, I find, and, and and gets a lot of gets almost too much legs into a shot as well. Um, he 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 is somebody who I think can be a good defender. However, uh, um, you know, I always love I always love how he's always in his defensive stance. You know, like he's somebody who's never not in his defensive stance, which is great. But he gets beat a lot, and um, and and could be a better rebounder as well. If going from an attitude perspective, I think that. If there's anybody who's ready to bounce back, it is him. Is he talented enough to de- to bounce back? I'm not sure, but 
if we could get even if we could get him back to that level that he was two years ago uh then i think the i think that would greatly benefit the raptors and really help with spacing and really help with you know getting defenders off of DeRozan or lowry or Kawhi. uh if uh, uh you know if that situation arises you mentioned his shooting stroke i think like you said he gets a lot of legs into it it's a very elongated motion and I think, like you said, a lot of times it leads to a pretty inconsistent motion. It's kind of the opposite of when you see Clay Thompson has that quick release that looks the same every time. It looks a little more variable with Norman Powell, and I think that's why you see him struggle to stay consistent. Your point on him defensively, at times he really kind of gets into people. I think he, in theory, is a better defender than he is in practice right now. He sometimes kind of lacks ability and kind of thought process through as a team defender where I worry him about him off the ball missing rotations on the ball at times he gets almost too aggressive and can kind of get you know happy crowding the ball and it leads to him being blown by during certain times he's steadily increased his fouls per per 36 minutes since he's come into the league which is almost the opposite of what you expect to happen, or not almost the opposite, it's the exact opposite of what you would expect from a rookie. His permanent fouls have gone up, which I think is impartial result to him thinking that he needs to do so much as a defender and it kind of working against him. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was always so unfortunate to, uh, you may, you may raise a really good point about him off the ball, but he off the ball um and you know i think he does have the ability to guard multiple positions um and uh yeah he's certainly strong enough to um and you know how there are some shooting guards and some smaller guards who will who just don't who just lack that strength that just pure strength to be able to 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 do that but yeah it, you know looking at looking at some of his other stats right like he he started the same amount of games in 2016-17 as he did in 17-18 um his free throw attempts were way down uh, from from the previous year, and I think that just has to do again with on the offensive end him being very, very either I'm going to shoot the three if I'm open or I'm or I'm heads down, and I think he needs to uh, work on getting into the paint, but knowing what he's going to do with the ball next. And I hope that you know going back to Nick Nurse is that Nick Nurse can provide a little bit more uh, uh, more systems being built. And, and helping to educate players on, you know, the rotation within the offense. Because if, if, if Norman Powell can find an open outlet, then he'll be, he'll, he'll, he'll start to find holes in the defense again as people start to, as people start to realize, or defenders start to realize that if I, if Norman Powell's going to drive in the paint, he might pass it off. He's going to find that open man. I need to, I need to continue to stay out of there. And then that, that's when get, that, that's what gives him the lanes to be able to drive. Uh, I could see I could see him hopefully implementing a little bit more of a Fred Van Vliet style of finish, which really uses the shoulders to, uh, to 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 create space for himself because he 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 can finish at the rim and uh, he's always had that ability. But I think it's a combination of mental, which hopefully with Nick Nurse will give him a fresh start, and uh, better decision making, which again with Nick Nurse will hopefully you know provide him more systems to play within. And 
at least I know Raptor fans are really hoping to see a better result out of him because the contract hurts um, quite a bit. I think uh, I think Masai could have really uh, could have waited. I understand why I understood why he did it at the time because everybody was expecting a breakout, so uh, everybody wanted to everybody wanted to sign him for a good price, which we got, which we did at the time. But um, it stings a little bit now, and um, I hope Norman Powell can eventually prove his contract or at least prove it more than he has uh, last season. Well, as you brought up, him going to the lane, it's free throw attempts per 36 drop from 4.2 to 1.3, which I think is a big indicator of him you know, not being confident in attacking the rack, and I think that's something that switching systems here to Dwayne Casey's new offensive system, which in a lot of ways is what Nick Nurse is hoping to ride, I think it kind of made things more difficult on Norman, and it requires more of a thinking game, which I'm not sure he was ready for, and perhaps not more of a thinking game. And I don't mean that as far as I don't know his offensive IQ, his basketball IQ, really, but certain players, you know, are built to play one way, and they struggle adjusting. And I think we saw that struggle a lot of ways in Serge Ibaka and his lack of ability to pass the ball kind of through the high post that you didn't see with Jonas Valanciunas. And I think oh, perhaps another year in the system will help Norman Powell, and I really hope that, you know, able to kind of carve him out roles where he's not asked to do more than what he's capable to do will also help him out. Yeah, I agree. Um, I worry that his basketball IQ is not that high. Um, that's my that's my big concern, and I hope watching a lot of film and watching a lot of what other players will doing will, will help him understand much better spacing and much better, you know, decision-making. And hopefully he's getting up shots and really working on that form and, and, and looking at, and looking at what's not working. And, and, you know, like we, like we've kind of talked about the ability, the ability to be able to shoot can uh, consistently within your stroke is so important. And uh, he has shots fly left, right, short, long within the same, uh, time of being on the floor right and that shows somebody who's not necessarily as consistent as they should be and i think everybody on the raptors is you know regardless of position is gonna uh be asked to shoot more threes and everybody and almost everybody on the raptors except maybe with the exception of lowry and and definitely cj miles needs to work on uh having the ball in the pocket and being able to deliver uh quickly and consistently so um i think I think and hope that all of the uh, all of the assistant coaches are working on uh, off-season plans that include a lot of threes. I agree, and I think uh, a good sign, at least on the basketball IQ end, is I think in his second year he showed you know flashes of being a really good cutter, which I think you kind of see that's a, another way to show basketball IQ that perhaps isn't shown in passing, and I think he showed really good flashes of that, and I think. It was upsetting to see him lose that last year, and I hope that perhaps I hope that those weren't drawn cuts by Dwayne Casey, and they were more field cuts. But it's maybe something that we'll figure out more this season. Hopefully, he at least kind of gets some minutes to show what he can do. Yeah, I agree, and uh, super super excited to see what happens there because it could be such a huge boost for the Raptors if they are able to. Um, come in and uh, or or sorry if he's able to come in and really uh, prove himself 
Well, let's move on to DeMar DeRozan, obviously the face of the franchise, possible future spur. But um, <laughs> no, DeMar, obviously at this point, we're, you know, we're in DeMar's, I think, ninth season? Or, or is he entering uh, three, six, not entering tenth season? So we know what we're getting from DeMar at this point. He has at least expanded his game nominally to the three-point line. You know, he shot 3.8 attempts last year. That was a career high by far, more than twice as many threes as he's ever shot. He shot only 31%. There was a time during the season last year when it looked like he was going to average closer to that 35-36 league average mark, but it appears that was, you know, a little advent, a little ambitious for Raptor fans to expect. He still had his most efficient scoring season last season, had his best season as a playmaker last season. And, you know, really, it gets lost due to the playoff failures, but really had his best season by far as a Toronto Raptor last year. Matt, what is your biggest takeaway here, overall thoughts on DeMar? Yeah, I, you know, the great thing about DeRozan is that in many ways he does take on the challenge of getting, of doing something better each and every season. And uh, for me, I think for him to get better or to work on something, it's almost, it's, it's almost in the intangibles more than it's anything that you can just do reps with on the court. Right. Um, I think that he will be able to achieve that league average in terms of three point shooting this year. And that's, and, and you know, it's a little bit more of a bold or bold statement, especially since he'll probably be shooting more threes this year. Um, but I think, I think, uh, and you know, he, DeRozan told the story about when, because uh, I remember out of nowhere he just started launching threes, and he told the story that he was at practice and he got called into the um, into the room with all the execs and Dwayne Casey and Masai Ujiri, and he thought he'd been traded, and he said that, and he said that what the what the team said is. Uh, you need to shoot threes and just start shooting threes. So he did, and uh, yeah, no, no, no. That's the story. If you did, if you didn't hear that story, and he, um, and you know, so he started doing it. And I think, um, I think, just hope, you know, looking. I, I, I know he's the type of player that rewatches every single game after after the year. Uh, in his Drew League game so far, he hasn't really been shooting many threes. Um, but I, I also just think that's more so the style of game that's in the Drew League. But for me, DeRozan, DeRozan provides so much and he he you know, he is that guy that you can rely on when there is a drought and you just need somebody to go one on one and score the ball. He's proven that he can do that. Um, I think I think I think that you that used more in spurts will really help the Raptors. And um, and you know Nick Nurse hopefully being more versatile in, in building offensive and building an offense. I think that could also really help DeRozan as well. Um, finding DeRozan some easy shots, I think, has always been tough under Dwayne Casey, uh, and he's proven to hit some ridiculous shots with with, with ease. And um, you know, DeRozan. DeRozan does so much that I, uh, you know, going back to the the intangibles, I think if he can be a half decent defender, that will really help his game. Um, 
it sounds like a lot of the reports are saying that Nick Nurse is going to ask him to guard the best player. And right now that gives me a little bit of a heart attack because DeRozan has proven to not be the best defender over long periods of time, especially when he takes on the best player. Sure, if it's a sequence and a playoff game and he he needs to defend, he'll defend. But uh, out of out of you know teams with top, you know teams with a top tier talent on it. Uh, DeRozan's by far the one that doesn't get into his stance the most. Uh, he is also he is also one that doesn't really rotate much on defense as he should. So I want to for me what I want to see from DeRozan next year because I know that he's going to bring uh, bring it on the offensive side of the ball and that he's going to be just as consistent as he's always been from the elbows and the free throw line and taking taking two pointers is that. I want to see him really round into form on the defensive end and uh, be in his stance, be more engaged, uh, fight for those rebounds, um, because I think that's what will uh, really round out his game and really take a lot of the um, um, the uh, the criticism of him away. I, find, I, I think that DeRozan responds a little bit too much to criticism and, and, and tries to, you know, prove him a little too much. But uh, overall, I mean, he's... He, he he's our best offensive player and he is uh however you know you know there's always the argument that Kyle Lowry's better because he's on both sides but if DeRozan can bring up that defensive intensity and really prove to be able to stop players in big situations then he'll easily be the best player on the uh, on the team and the one that can uh bring us the furthest with his ability to score the ball I think you touched on it I think or not just touched on it, kind of expanded on it pretty fully. It's it's the defensive end of the ball that everyone is waiting for DeMar DeRozan to kind of take the next step. But we saw the three-point game, and yes, a three-point game's important, and you hope that he scores a little more efficiently than he does. You know, he hope we hope that he gets that effective field goal percentage. You know, at least over 50% would be nice. But most importantly, it's the defensive or lack of defensive intensity that really kind of gets in everyone's stance. Uh, Nick Nurse has mentioned uh, in interviews that he will ask DeMar to guard the best defender and, or offensive player. And I'm not sure that you can have that last during the postseason, and I'm pretty sure that you wanted to have OG take him. But during the regular season, I don't mind it. You know, DeMar needs to take a little more responsibility on that end of the ball, and maybe that means that a little bit less of the offense needs to run through him, but there's no reason that he can't at 6-7 and a freak at, at and a freak athlete get in a goddamn stance and play defense every once in a while. You know, it's frustrating on one end, and I don't want to discredit everything DeMar means to this team because he's, I think, the second-best player, and obviously he's been a great role model in the community and all that's great. But at some level, you need to play both ends of the ball, and he doesn't need to be an elite defender, but he needs to be an average defender. Yeah, and and I think you touched on it with uh, with uh, you know, oh yeah, OG's probably going to end up guarding the, you know, you want to say the LeBrons, but can't really say that anymore. Um, you know, you you know, he'll end up guarding the the Gordon Haywards, let's say, or or something. Well, yeah, but like but when you have the Boston Celtics when they run Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum, you know. Someone's going to have to take the other one. So, yeah, and, and and I mean, honestly, even in that situation, you might even want DeRozan guarding Gordon Hayward just because of the aggressiveness of, of someone like Jason Tatum, right? So, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Like DeRozan, just like it's getting harder and harder for him to hide on shooters. 
because shooters are more versatile than than just camping out uh you know in the corner hoping to shoot a three right like like and even and even in those and even in those situations i i don't know how many times i've seen DeRozan try to run back to 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 uh defend a, a someone shooting the three and he can't even get in their face because he's a little too slow to rotate right so and a lot of that would be solved by like you said getting into a stance <laughs> yeah i it's frustrating because it's effort, and you've seen DeMar play on the other end, and you know that there's nothing stopping him from being at least an average defender. So you hope that he improves in defense. Besides the defensive end and three-point shooting, is there anything that you're kind of hoping to see DeMar takes his game to the next level with? Ooh. Um, I mean, I mean, I think, I think those two areas, for me anyway, would really, 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 really... Um, round out his, you know, his package of what he can offer a team, and um, I think, I think honestly, I think it would also make him a a a more complete player overall and a more like impactful, uh, quote unquote, star player uh, in the league as well. Is, is is there something that you also think that he needs to bring to the table next season? No, I was just curious. I think mm. obviously those are the biggest things he. He dropped to below four rebounds per game last year, which, you know, for being six seven and the player he is, I think you hope he hovers around five, but that's not something I'm overly concerned about. He gets to the free throw line a lot, which is nice. I think that sometimes he kind of pursues the contact, so I I like it better when he just kind of goes up strong and doesn't worry about the defender and he just finishes at the rim with his explosive finishing ability rather than kind of seeking out contact because I think it's harder to get those whistles. But overall, I think if he could get up to just, you know, 35% from three and play average defense, I think that he rounds out as one of the best shooting guards in the league. I 100% agree. I think that um, small fixes will actually allow just for big improvements, which is, which I mean, if I'm DeRozan, I'm thinking, okay, like I can do that, you know what I mean, and and, uh, and I mean look at all the other players who who even played a little bit of defense and look what happened to them, right? I mean even James Harden doesn't play that much defense, but James but James Harden last season compared to three seasons ago when he just let people blow by him all the time, right? Like they made uh, James Harden MVP. So yeah, I mean he's a better number by the he's a better defender by the numbers than Demar Derozan is, so mm-hmm. at least give him credit there. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> well. On that somber note, I think that probably does it for us, Matt. It's a pleasure yeah. talking to you. Yeah, no, yeah, me too. And I was really hoping uh, during during our conversation that we could be like, "Oh, Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors," but <laughs> it didn't happen. So we'll see what happens by uh, by the next time we talk, and there could be even more exciting stuff to talk about. But if not, we'll continue our conversation about all of the different players. Sounds good, man. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, 
or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.